Folks, Scott Haskin here, host of the Haskin Cast podcast, Uriah Heap, the Magician's podcast, and host of another show. Uh, for now, we'll uh, we'll save that again, unless uh, I, it's already been announced, in which case I will be putting that in the show notes. We're uh, about two months ahead, so I'm not exactly sure when this episode will air uh, in conjunction to when episodes that I started on that show will air. Uh, so anyway, I'm having a great time on that. We're taping uh, well ahead and, and having a blast with uh, that band that we're covering that I'll get to soon. Um, just wanted to say hi. If you've made it this far in our four-part, four I did it again, four-part episode on Cobra Kai, thank you very much. I hope that you're enjoying the conversation as much as John and I did. Uh, it's such a great show, and there's just so much to go into. I mean, you would think that the shows are 45 minutes to an hour with all the detail and all the events and everything that they throw in that show. It's really amazing how much they cram into like a half hour of television, uh, or I guess stream of vision if that's, I don't even know what that's called now, streaming... I guess it's just streaming, but stream vision is, I think, a, an appropriate word. So I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the conversation. Let's get to that final part four. Thank you so much, John, for hanging out with me for a couple of hours and talking about this wonderful show. Uh, John will be back for uh, many other things that we've got planned uh, over the course of the rest of the show. Good news, I did find out that the 300 Limits uh, for Apple Podcasts has been lifted. So uh, I no longer have to end the show at episode 300. I can keep going. They've done it up to 2,000, which I am not planning on doing 2,000 podcasts. Do not get me wrong. I have other things to do. Uh, but I do have, uh, you know, about 50 to 70 more episodes I'm planning. Plus, you know, I get requests for interviews from time to time. So that adds to that number. So at least it's going to be at least another year, if not more, uh, where the show will continue. And, you know, who knows uh, what direction it'll take by that point. So uh, the good news is I don't have to split the feed into another show. I don't have to roll it into another podcast with a different news feed and a different app to follow. Uh, it can all just stay right here. Uh, so I'm very happy about that. I'm also very happy about Cobra Kai. Let's get to it. So the music to this show, I thought for the most part, has just been fantastic. I love that because it's not the show is not called Miyagi Do, so it's not a bunch of pan flutes. It's it's <laughs> Cobra Kai, so it's rock and roll. Yeah, you know, it's distorted guitars, heavy drums, double bass, you know that kind of thing. Um, I love the way that they balance the two. You know, when it's Daniel's time, it's the pan flute. When it's you know going back to the nods to the music from the the movies. Um, but I love the rock. I love Kenny's theme. Like when he was getting chased, that fast drum beat, that, you know, just really drive in music where you felt your heart just start beating faster. Yeah. You know, I, I just, it, it's just been so well done. Until the end of the show, uh, until the end of season five, I hated the music with uh, Daniel and Silver's fight. I thought it was over the top cinematic. It didn't really feel like it fit the show. And I thought the fight itself was kind of a letdown. Yeah, yeah, I, I did too. Um, just because, um, I mean, it, I think the fight was a letdown because we wanted we wanted Daniel to have a little bit more of an upper hand, especially after the history of how Silver so badly like fucked them over. Right. Um, and they, they don't let you forget it either. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get that satisfaction at the end when he uses the quicksilver method on him 
which I thought was brilliant, is that he used his own techniques on him to disable and discredit him and finally beat him. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just, I thought that Daniel would have gotten more shots in because I mean, at this point he was, he's older, he's more seasoned. Um, he should have, um, he should have um, had more resources. Uh, he should have had more skill to at least put up a better fight in uh, Stingray's apartment. Yeah. Uh, that scene. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, I think that uh, in, in my opinion, it was a, a, a less satisfying scene just because we we don't want silver to win. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know that the good guy is going to win in the end, but it just, I don't know that it, it just seemed for a guy that just beat the crap out of him. Um, it just seemed like he was too easy to defeat this time. And even though he was using his method against him, which I love that throwback, I thought that was great. But I don't. It just seemed like too easy of a fight, and then the crane kick really felt forced. Yeah, I mean, I I liked. The, I mean, I like how they incorporated though, because you barely, you kind of barely noticed it. Like they didn't make a huge deal out of it. Mm. Um, I think that if they if they showed the, him getting into the crane from like several different angles and really built it up, that would have been over the top. Yeah, for um, sure. But for me, I thought that it was it was kind of cool that they kind of worked it in there. It was like, oh, yeah, there it is. Part of his repertoire. Bah, right to the face. <laughs> right. The one thing I did like about it, though, was that Silver didn't see it coming. Not like Johnny, who wouldn't have known how to defend against it. Silver, his, fa- his face was turned to the wall. He was grabbing that trophy. And it's just as he was turning to face Daniel. That's when Daniel hit him. So I like that he didn't have a chance to defend himself against it. Right. I thought at least at least it was fair the way they did it. Right. Because, well, I mean, it was also realistic because the only way that if you if you telegraphed the crane kick, then obviously, you know, it's coming. Right. Um, And somebody of his age and experience would be like, all right, well, obviously, I'm not going to take a foot to the face. So I'm going to figure some other way out. But he he turned around and, and just at the point where he turned around, he was already in mid kick. So, yeah. Unlike Miguel in the first tournament in season one, where now here there's even a poster of Daniel doing the crane kick at the, <laughs> in the tournament. And that kid didn't know it, didn't know what was coming and got hit in the face. And I thought, isn't this like the most famous kick in the Valley? Doesn't, wouldn't anybody who's in this tournament have heard of this kick and the That's kid just true. like gets hit. I thought yeah. that was kind of cheap, but to get back to the, to the silver fight, there's, there's a thing that bothered me about both of the fights uh, with Daniel and silver is that what I, what I call the Harry Potter syndrome, which is they learn a spell and they use it for the purpose of that movie. And then even though it's an incredibly powerful tool, you'd never see it again. So thinking of, of chosen and Daniel's fight with crease when he saved Johnny and he's hitting those pressure points, putting crease out of commission why didn't he try using those against silver? You're like, that's the biggest tool you've got in your arsenal is something that incapacitates your opponents in a split second. Mm-hmm. And, but it's again, like we saw it in against crease because that was the the series that it was the season that it was in and it served its purpose. So now we're never going to see it again. Right. You know, so I, I, I thought like, once again, if, especially if somebody's kicking your ass, <laughs> you're going to go with what can I do to stop this guy before it gets worse since nothing else I'm doing is working. And you're going to go to, Hey, I just learned this really amazing technique that'll just knock him on his ass and he won't be able to hit me anymore. And I can go slap him around all day. Well, (laughs) well, maybe, 
the only thing that I could think of is, is that uh, from a from the point of view of it being a series and not real life is, is that if they, if they just did that, then it wouldn't be interesting. Right. Um, because then you'd be like, Oh, okay, well I could just end any, any conflict by doing just this one thing. And mm. they're probably trying to keep it fresh by using uh, different moves and different techniques and, and not having the fights end a certain way because otherwise the, the, the narrative, the story isn't going to go, in that direction. It just that, that one person would be just like taking everybody out going like this <laughs> all the time. So, yeah. And that's true. And and it is fair. It's just like looking at this as a real world, it doesn't make right. sense that, that that wouldn't be. But then when I think about uh, like take a movie like the Da Vinci code, if you've seen that and you're like, okay, so there's these centuries old mysteries that Robert Langdon is solving all of them in one day. Like, you know, it just, it just doesn't make any sense, but for the point of the right. movie, it has to work that way. Right, right. You know, but but it's like I because I thought about that with with the Harry Potter movies. I'm like, why didn't they ever use this spell again? Especially in the big fight, you know, in the in the the final movie, you know, like this would have been a perfect thing to whip out, and no one thought of it. Out of all these kids that are fighting, nope. you know. Uh, speaking of all these kids fighting, let's let's wrap up with the the big fight at uh, the Cobra Kai dojo at the end of season five. Um. Talking about Anthony and and as you mentioned that they didn't, you know, advance him very quickly in his skills, you know, he's still a beginner. Um, I love that he was really not fighting through all of that. You know, not he was right. he he really wasn't. And at the end, he was the one that uh the the kind of the nerd that knew how to work the computer to save them. He got the got the video on the Wi-Fi and uh you know, they were protect the egg. He was the mm-hmm. the key to it, but he wasn't a fighter. I really love the way they put that together. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, when they, when they all gathered around, they're like protect the egg. It wasn't just the, the tablet uploading the video, but it was also him. Right. Cause he, he was had to manipulate egg. it to get it onto the Wi-Fi. Right. Right. He was like uh, the, the, um, the, uh, the tablet or the iPad or whatever was, was the egg, so to speak, because they needed that, to stay operational and nobody mm. get their hands on it. But also the one of the weakest fighters, if not the weakest fighter was the egg, so to speak. And they had to gather around and make sure nobody got close to that or to him right. so they could achieve their goal. So, mm. and I, yeah, I thought that that worked really well because that made him um, kind of a hero of the scene without having to do any fighting. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you think about it, there's there's always the need for that person. You think about you know, like the bank robber movies. There's always got to be somebody that that uh, routes them around the alarm system or you know whatever yeah. it is. There's <laughs> always got to be like that one intelligent person that doesn't have to use brutal skills to you know to to win the day. And I I love that Anthony became a part of it because the first season he was just annoying. His not him his character was just like the the annoying younger brother that had to you know just get his sister in trouble and make sarcastic remarks. And then he started really growing and developing the character. And, and I really like him. I, I was really glad to see he was a part of that because they really could have used him as a throwaway in this season too. And even though he wasn't in it a lot, they still found a way to make him very valuable and important. Yeah. I mean, they really could have just had him be the, just kind of the freeloader, like in the first, I think season or a couple of seasons or whatever, he was just the freeloading kid who just wanted to, play video games and eat, eat ice cream or like just be super lazy and not do anything. And then Mm. they could have just easily phased him out. 
Yeah. Uh, because he wasn't really anything. It was almost kind of like a prop. Uh, He was like the least important person in the family because you would see like there was, there was um, uh, Daniel and his wife, his daughter, and then who are like main characters. They got a lot of screen time and then just like, Oh, okay. And then he's got this other kid. And you were wondering like, why did they even give him another kid? Because he's not even doing anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know, uh, when, when Daniel first, like when uh, Anthony and Daniel really have an open conversation, he says, Mr. Miyagi said one day you would save us all. And then, you know, he was mm-hmm. a part of that in, in the end of this last episode. Um Hmm. again the star wars you know you'll bring balance to the force kind of thing that you have to have that master like overall goal right yeah but i just i you know even the characters that you thought were kind of throwaway characters like i really thought dimitri was going to be kind of a throwaway character when in Mm -hmm. the first couple seasons or the first couple episodes and they developed him they developed hawk i mean everybody except for maybe like moon and um the other girl yeah that's true they're, they're, they're just kind of around yeah they i mean they play a small part they're they're intricate in the scenes that they're in but they're not really vital to the overall thing yeah they're sam's friends yeah like but they uh, don't really serve any other purpose like the girl that moon was dating that joined cobra kai um you have we have we didn't see her at all in this season like she was in the tournament and then she wasn't in the season at all right and and that was interesting um, I like that they kept Devin Lee, though. I, I think she's a really good addition to the cast. And I, I like mm-hmm. that little moment with uh, where Johnny sees that she's now part of Cobra Kai. Um, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I just I, I, I love shows that have good writing. I love shows where every episode has actual stakes in it. You know, yeah. like I I watched Lost was one of my favorite shows because they would take characters that were like main characters and they just be out. Uh, like from out of nowhere and i love that because every episode you're like what's going to happen when i watched breaking bad i thought Mm. there's only like a handful of people on this show everybody's pretty much going to be there except maybe one person until the end and they pretty much were i mean it, it it ended up to be a good show i enjoyed it but there weren't like every episode didn't have like edge of the seat stakes where something could just completely flip the show on its edge Hmm. this show does and that's one of the things i really love about it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so two thumbs up for me i can't wait for season six um me too we could talk about so many different facets of the show we could do like a season by season show we could do a episode by episode show uh but uh i i just i just have so much appreciation and respect for the people that have put this together that are doing such an amazing job uh, so final predictions for season six. I don't think we're ever going to see Hillary Swank. Mm, I feel like that's been teased in many different ways. Even like, I, I think that they were, you know, um, somebody was saying they, that she was going to be, um, somebody's mom. Like she was going to come back being somebody's real mom. I can't remember who, like maybe, um, I, I can't remember. I read some predictions about it, but it's like, it, it doesn't it doesn't sound like it's happening and it also doesn't really sound like it would be useful to the, the storyline or the plot. I mean, at least when you got up to Mike Barnes, that was still somebody from the original trilogy of the movies. And then Mm -hmm. by the time they got to the Hillary Swank one, yeah, Pat Morita was in it, but it really wasn't part of the same universe. 
Yeah, and I think that's kind of why I'm feeling that way because there's no connection between her and Daniel. There's they as far as we know, they've never met. There's no history. I'm sure in their, you know, time Mr. Miyagi talked about her, but they've never mentioned her once. Uh, but they they didn't really mention characters until they brought them on. Yeah, I mean, there uh, hey, there's there's a slight possibility that they bump into each other and because they mutually knew Mr. Miyagi Mm-hmm. that they have that in common yeah that they could bond over that or they could meet somehow over that but uh at this point i feel it's a stretch yeah i think i think it would be a very it would almost be like a forced thing where they we, they would have to work it in somehow and i think it would just feel forced unless and the only thing that would really make sense would be um daniel goes to mr miyagi's grave and she's standing there you know, right, paying her respects to him. But that would be the only like legitimate way I could think of them bringing her and, and Daniel together. But why would she be standing there? Right. Like she would have to have some kind of connection or something to that, to advance the story. Otherwise you'd just be like, Oh, okay. That was a cool cameo for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, we've seen you know? pretty much everybody except I think what one or two, maybe of the members of the original Cobra Kai, they mentioned the one guy was in prison. Um, and then uh, Ali's friend from the original movie, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the one that said she must be into fungus. Like we haven't seen her, but I mean, we've, we've seen pretty much everybody major from, you know, I mean, there's like Daniel's friend that he would, he met when he first moved into the apartment at the beginning of the movie that took him to the beach and like, it's like completely just incidental characters, but I, I, I really yeah, don't, I don't think there's anyone in, else to bring yeah. back at this point. And, and really, I don't know if at this point it's even about bringing anybody back. I feel like if they're going to go out, in the season six, then they should just rely on the ensemble that they put together and focus on wrapping it up to yeah. a, uh, to, to a really uh, satisfying ending to the, to the whole story. Mm-hmm. Cause if they, if they don't, if they're just going to be in concern with, Oh, who else could we bring back? Then that's where it gets into jumping the shark. Yeah. And I'm curious if Mike Barnes is going to play a role in, in the next season too, because they, his character could easily just be done. He got, he's been made whole. Uh, he got his revenge on silver. Don't mm-hmm. really know that there's any need for his character to be there either. Right. You know, so it'll, it's really going to be interesting to see. Oh, that was my, my other uh, favorite line in the show was when uh, chosen gets out of the limo and uh, when they're at the 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 uh, Cobra Kai dojo, and and he says it's just a flesh wound, and Daniel says, "Yeah, it's like all your flesh, though." <laughs> and he just basically taped him up, and they're like, "Yeah, just get in the limo. We're gonna we're gonna make a stop on the way to the hospital." You just had your whole back sliced open, but you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's all your flesh. There, yeah, there are so many great lines that I, I probably can't even remember. Um, yeah, most of them yeah. are Johnny's. I'll, you know, most of them are Johnny's. Lines. I was going to say most of them are Johnny's lines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. but um, but but yeah, uh, when I was when I was teasing the the new season to my dad, um, he's like, "Is it good?" And I'm like, "I'll, I'll just I'll give you. Well, can I tell you one thing?" He goes, "All right." I said, um, "Johnny gets a job as an Uber driver," and he's like, "Oh, I can't wait." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be good." You know, there there is actually uh, one more thing. There's one part of this season that is actually kind of hard for me to watch. And uh, it, besides the cockroaches, I hate cockroaches. I really wish I could just clip that scene out of mm. Netflix and not have it there. Mm. But uh, is, is the scene where they, uh, Daniel and his wife go to Silver's house. 
it is so hard for me to watch the manipulation because that is the biggest mind fuck in this whole thing. And and it's like with Crease, like when when you see anybody talking to Crease, you feel like you're watching the gears behind his head turn as how can I turn whatever they're saying into my advantage? Like, how can I get one over on them? But what Silver did to Daniel, it, it goes exactly back to what he did to him in, in the third movie. Yeah. And just having his wife be the victim of that, like that is just so hard for me to watch because she has done nothing wrong to anybody in this whole thing. You know, she's tried to help Tori. She's been supportive to every, like she has been like the one most innocent person. And she was the one that, that got hurt on that, that episode. Right. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, it was, it was his manipulation of uh, Daniel that cost her um, uh, being, being on the board of that committee or whatever, uh, presumably. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just showed, but I mean, that just also showed you what a despicable person Terry Silver is because he would he would do that to her just to hurt Daniel. Yeah. And even that that that's that smirk of his like when he gets knocked over and everything, he's like, <laughs> and you're just like, oh go, I wanted to get his so bad. <laughs> I, I wonder with them, because he's so much taller than everyone else, I really wonder if it's difficult to do the fight choreography with him. Just because his reach is so much longer than every anyone else's. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I wouldn't know anything about that, but I mean, I would guess. Yeah, how how tall is he? You know, I don't know what his actual height is. He's got to be at least six two, six three. No, he's got to be taller than that. And he he towers over pretty much everybody. Yeah, he looks to he looks like he's oh definitely over six feet. But yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know, I don't know how those things work. But I mean, they they definitely have all sorts of uh, different things to manipulate perspective i'm sure that they figured yeah. it out they they have things that are probably standard so they they don't even worry about it yeah i mean the camera angles and everything that they do for the fights is what what really works what mm-hmm. makes the fights look so realistic i mean listening to the interviews from the cast yeah every once in a while somebody does get hit <laughs> you know it's <laughs> yeah it does happen but but i mean it's you could be three feet away from somebody and just have the camera behind you or slightly off to the side. And it just forces the perspective to where it looks like they're much closer. And that's how they shoot it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just seems like with a guy that has that. I, I think back to to uh, what was it? Um, uh, the last movie that Bruce Lee did when he was fighting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Bruce Lee was not a big guy. He really wasn't. And for him to be fighting a guy that's that tall who has a leg reach, like he could just keep you away with his foot. And you won't get anywhere near him. <laughs> You know, like that kind of fight, that's tough to do. Yeah. You know, but they, they really pull it off because you don't, you don't get the sense that it was difficult. Like his, his fight scenes are very well done, Mm -hmm. you know, plus he's a big guy. Like it's not just his height. He's like a big guy. I mean, he looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great show. We'll, we'll have to see what happens in this season. See how many of our, uh, our thoughts and predictions come true. Well, I hope some of them are right. <laughs> like there's a season six would be a start. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I haven't heard anything announced about it. Um, like, it, I guess it hasn't been officially announced, but if you had recently read something that they have a lot of stuff that they can use for season six, or could be they could use for a potential season six. I, I don't think it's been officially announced yet, but yeah, they, they would be crazy not to to build on that. Oh, they, they, they have to. Would. I mean, it's got to be it's successful enough where they got to do it. Exactly. I mean, they've already got all the locations built. I mean, just reconstructing Mr. Miyagi's house, you, you know, 
his his dojo house um, in that whole area with the car. I mean, it was just so well done. They spent all the money on that already. Then they would just, you know, it, they're going to have to throw it away at some point because the show's yeah. going to be over. But why not get as much out of that as you can? And the show is drawing such huge numbers. Well, what what I saw was in an interview, somebody asked William Zabka, is there going to be a season six? Because Netflix hadn't hadn't confirmed that they had renewed it yet. And he didn't actually say, yes, there is. He just says, we have a lot of footage that's already been shot for it that was left over from season five. Right. Okay. So basically like, yeah, there's going to be, but there's no official announcement. So I'm just going to hang my hat on that hope <laughs> and let it be that. But at least at least they're not doing anything like Star Wars where like, oh, a ghost is going to come back and Mr. Miyagi's ghost is going to come back and help you guys <laughs> through your problems. And I mean, if they would have gone that route where Daniel was seeing visions of Mr. Miyagi, I, I think the show would have just been stupid. I mean, I, I like, and that's one thing that we actually didn't talk about, which we can, before we, um, before we um, wrap it up. But yeah. I think that uh, Pat Morita, Mr. Miyagi is probably one of the biggest presences on the show. That's not on the show. Right. Because I mean, everything from the name of the dojo to his influence on Daniel and everybody afterwards, um, and they they used in the first couple of seasons uh, uh, footage from the original movies, um, and I think they still did in this one a couple of things just to illustrate some stuff. So it's it's nice to see that, but it's also nice to see, like you said, that they're not putting him like a a CGI version of him or something in in like some visions or or stuff like that, or even when Daniel goes to visit his grave, it's it just, it, it really feels like it's rooted in reality because when you're yeah. seeing those flashbacks, they're using the flashbacks from the original movies, which I, to me, it keeps it real. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it also keeps it real. Like when he, the, I, I don't know how many times, maybe just a couple of times he visited Miyagi's grave and it's it's really rooted in reality is that he's standing there and he's looking at the gravestone and he's talking to it. And maybe there might've been a couple of flashbacks, which was footage from the original movies. But yeah. like I said, there was nothing, nothing in it where there was a, a CGI version or some, some guy like in a, some Miyagi lookalike that tried to be in a vision. Like they didn't try and use any new footage. They just kind of left right. that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, even when they showed uh, Daniel going into his room in the newest season, um, I guess he kind of kept his, his old bedroom kind of as it was, as like a shrine. Yeah. Um, that That's one of those things that you'll see in like true crime stories or even like horror movies of somebody that lost somebody. And that's one of those things that you always think about, like what would I do that? Like if a loved one died or went missing or something, would I just close that door and preserve the whole room as like a museum type of thing? Um, I, I just think that 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 really hits a note, um, you know, tugs at your heartstrings a little bit because that is one character that unfortunately could not be part of the uh, the show, and they uh, they I'm sure that they must have gotten um, all sorts of. Uh, permission and blessing from his uh his family or whatever to use that footage and his likeness and everything like that and i'm glad that they did because if they weren't able to or or even rights to the original movies i mean who knows who is for all we know ralph macchio owns all of them but yeah, um it would have been yeah. really it would have been really tacky if they had to kind of play their way around that I, I absolutely agree and you know that was one of the scenes too thinking about the, the time that mr miyagi got drunk 
And then they replicated that, you know, because w- w- he was like, Daniel, come inside, come inside. He said that twice. And then when when uh, Miguel found after the prom and he went to Johnny's house and Johnny was like, come inside, come inside. And they basically like replicated mm-hmm. the Daniel Miyagi scene with Miguel and, and Johnny. Um, that was another one of those like really, really like spot for spot throwbacks that they did. But thinking about Daniel visiting Mr. Miyagi's grave at the end of season four, um, it looks like he's talking to Mr. Miyagi, but he's actually talking to Chosen, who's off to the side saying, you know, will you help me take him down? And then I started thinking about that. I'm like, wait a minute. So Chosen flew from Okinawa to Los Angeles and Daniel didn't even have a confirmation of whether he was going to help him. Like, what What happened there? <laughs> well, then, it wouldn't have then, been as dramatic. <laughs> well, yeah. And then they confirmed it because because his, his wife said, you flew him out here. And I'm like, okay, so was he just like, hey, why don't you come and visit? Meet me at Mr. Miyagi's grave. I got a question for you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had already agreed to that before he got the plane ticket. <laughs> if you think of it like that, though, it does sound really ridiculous. It really yeah, does. Meet me at this cemetery. I got a question for you really quick. But but it was a great reveal. I mean, because you really thought yeah. he was talking to Mr. Miyagi. And he's like, will you help me? I'm like, how is he going to? Okay, where's this going? And then and then they, you know, they pan the camera and you hear and you see Chosen. I thought yeah. that was a real and the music that they played. Uh, after that too was just so powerful. Like you felt yeah. chosen was gonna fuck shit up. Yeah, <laughs> and he and he did. And he did. And he came in like, well, I, I man, his character has such a great arc. Uh, but but too thinking about uh, the music, like when they played uh, when when the two JoJo's uh, Eagle Fang and Miyagido first got together at the end of it must have been season two or season three. Um, and the way that they that version that they did of In the Air Tonight was just it's it gave me chills. That was so well placed. Yeah, I think um I I definitely I love the the soundtrack, uh the score to these um to this series. Mm-hmm. When uh when Allie comes back and they they first do her reveal at her her parents' house. Uh, they're playing a little bit of Christmas music because obviously, you know, the house is decorated for Christmas. They're getting you in the, okay, now we're at the Christmas mm-hmm. episode one. And uh, the Christmas song they were playing was it actually sounded, I, I haven't looked, but it sounded like it was by Bananarama. Huh. No, we'd have to look that. Yeah, we definitely have to look that one up. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like it was their voices, but and I thought, well, that's cool because they did Cruel Summer, which was another great uh, season ending song. When Johnny yeah. throws his phone at the beach and um, and they're playing that really slow version of Cruel Summer, I thought was another just fantastic musical moment for this show. Yeah, yeah. They they didn't just rely on some of the um, just grabbing the old hits, but the kind of the um, uh, a reworking of some of the the old um, the old songs or like the the songs from the era. Yeah, um, it, it was much more dramatic, but it's also less expensive to pay for a reversion of a song to true, license yeah. that than it is to get the actual original. You have to pay the, you know, the the recording, the people that recorded it, and there's a lot more cost that goes into the original. So it's very common that they'll do reversions of songs, have another band record it. But I love that the way that they slowed it down and they made it a lot more dramatic. They put the strings in there and really built some tension. And mm-hmm. then you see it, Ali's name pops up on his phone that she sent him her friend request. I'm like, oh my God, what a, that's another like that five <laughs> seconds. If Crease would have just waited, yeah, he would have been pardoned, you know, yep. that, that same kind of moment. And I just exactly. love that. Exactly. People, people cannot rest for two seconds. I'm telling you. 
nope, I, I can't either. It's like, it's over. And I'm like, I want more. Exactly. And that's the greatest stuff when, when they can leave you going. It, it, okay. So it, it's like, uh, what was the album I was trying to think of? Long Live Rock and Roll by Rainbow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the album's really powerful. It's got, you know, The Shed, it's got Gates of Babylon, it's got Long Live Rock and Roll, Kill the King. And then the last song on the album is Rainbow Eyes, which is this really slow, you know, dramatic song. And I'm thinking that ending of that song doesn't, it makes me feel like, okay, I've heard the album. It doesn't end on a powerful note that makes me want to go back and start the album over again. Right. You know, and that's kind of the idea. You want people, you want to finish on a note that makes people go back and start listening to it again. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like every single ending that they've had at every one of these seasons makes me go, okay, I, I got to watch that season again. <laughs> yep. Or start it from the beginning and watch all five of them again. You know, it just, it leaves you on a, that's not enough. I need more. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect way of putting it is it leaves you, it leaves you wanting, leaves you mm-hmm. wanting more. Exactly. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't mention it at the beginning of the show, John, if, if this is the first time that you guys have seen John on the podcast, he is from the Deep Purple podcast, which comes out every Sunday night. Um, and I struggle to not listen to it on Sunday night. I try and save it for Monday. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I get through it. But, uh, you know, while I'm making my food for the week, a lot of times I'll I'll put the podcast on. I, I will never miss an episode of your show. It's my my favorite podcast to listen to. I don't listen to my own shows. I listen to you guys. Thank you, as always. You guys are uh, getting close to 200 episodes, is it? Hmm? Yeah, we just, um, <clears throat> if I if I uh, believe um, uh, my counting is uh, correct, my math is correct here, I believe we just recorded uh, episode 190 the wow. other day. Wow. So uh, we already started talking about what are we going to do for the big 200? So it's a milestone episode. So we'll see. I'm I'm looking forward to it. If uh, you know, I, I I'm sure whatever it is, I'll enjoy it because you guys, even if even if the album you're reviewing, because you you guys are doing not just the Deep Purple albums, but you're doing all the work from the entire extended family, which will keep yeah. you in business for a good decade to come. Doing a show every week, <laughs> we'll be uh, dead. We'll be dead yeah. before we run out of material. <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys always have me on the experimental episodes, like the Deep Purple Game Show and What If Trivia. <laughs> yeah i'd love uh, to do another one of those again oh that would be fun yeah uh but so i you know i i really enjoy the show i'm glad that you guys do it but i love how how you dive deep into it and of course you guys are part of the deep dive network like my uriah heap the magicians podcast this show is not part of the deep dive network because i don't really do this is probably the deepest dive into anything i've done <laughs> since i started the show yeah and uh thanks so much john for doing it with me i had a great time we we really dug oh. in i mean there's yeah, like a million too. more things we could talk about but you know at some point people are going to stop listening <laughs> yeah we we got we got to self-edit here because um <laughs> i think we're the only ones that are they got to be this interested in it well the, i see that the sun's already gone down <laughs> in your part of the country so yeah you saw back here like my my window was light when we started yeah the the day has slowly turned tonight well my friend thank you so much uh we'll we'll do another episode before too much longer but this was a blast i I like doing something different yeah me too i had i always have fun coming on the show i can't wait to come on again oh you'll be back don't worry i know (laughs) we'll see you guys in the next episode cheers